Well, we welcome those from downstairs. Uh, we're going through the book of Amos. And um, I wasn't expected to be here, but because of this call out of town, um, I asked Bill if I could do a lesson today and then give him more time to prepare and that I, then I will be gone for probably for the next two Sundays. Um, since our last time that we were studying, we studied chapter 1 of Amos, and we talked about the different countries and the different judgments that God was going to bring on those uh, nations. A couple of questions have come to me, and, and so I thought I would spend this uh, time together to answer uh, those questions the best that I can. Um, seeking input from you if you uh, care to uh, also elaborate. Um, the first question said, um, since uh, God has judged these nations in the book of Amos and found them guilty of sin <coughs> because of their sinful nature and that God was going to judge them because of their sin, what about America? Will God judge America? And um, that was one of the questions that has come up. The second question is, um, if Israel's enemies were pagan, worshiping idols of uh, other gods, how can the God of Israel hold them responsible for breaking his law? And so that will be the second question we'll try to address today. And that will probably take up most of our time um, through this lesson. So I'm going to start off with a broad concept and then kind of funnel down. So bear with me because I'm kind of laying some foundation before I get to the answers that, uh, to these questions. So to start off with, as far as I can tell, and maybe you could have found more, but as far as I can tell, there's at least five um, ways that the Bible talks about God's judgment. So we're going to talk about, start off there. Uh, the first way that God <coughs> judges is he hands over uh, impenitent people to the hardening of uh, their hearts in this life. Um, we've seen that in, in Pharaoh, where he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And it's mentioned here in uh, the New Testament in Romans chapter 1. It says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And that would be Romans 1.18 and, and 24. The second way that God passes judgment is that he punishes nations in history, both Israel and other nations or pagan nations. We see this in scripture as well. So <clears throat> um, Ezekiel 5.15 says, You, Jerusalem, shall be a reproach and a taunt, a warning and a horror to the nations all around you. When I execute judgments on you in anger and fury. So we see that he judges Israel, but he also judges other nations as well. 
My sword descends for judgment upon Edom, upon the people I have devoted to destruction. Isaiah 34, 5. The third way that uh, God judges is that there is a final judgment for all people at the end of history. Romans 2.5 says, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And the fourth way, I think it's the fourth one, um, that God judges is that the death of Jesus was God's final punitive judgment on all who believe in Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life, and he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. By sending his, that was John 5:24. by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, Romans 8, 3. And the fifth way that God judges, non-Christian individuals are sometimes judged in this life. But Christians, but not for Christians. Uh, all judgments for, uh, for Christians are disciplinary. They're not destructive. And by that, I mean there's a difference between disciplinary uh, judgments and punishment. With disciplinary, what, we, what a father would try to do to his child when he disciplines them is to teach them, uh, provide for them a moral value. And so God uh, will not punish necessarily the, the Christian, but he will discipline them uh, in order to show them what is right, what is wrong, and the path that they should take. Um, God uses these judgments to teach and instruct, uh, just like a good father would his child. So it's more appropriate when we come under these disciplinary judgments to ask, what are you trying to teach me, dear God? Rather than to strike out in anger and say, why is this happening to me? So an example of non-Christian being judged would be uh, Acts 12:23. An angel of the Lord struck Herod down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But speaking to Christians, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11:30 and 32 says, "Many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But when we are are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Discipline meaning we are given instruction as to what to do and what is right. So in conclusion, this means that all of us should live a sober life, um, seek to be holy as God is holy, and take serious joy, I think, in 
our salvation. So that's um, five ways, and there could be more, uh, that God judges or uses his judgment um, from Scripture. But what about the judgment of nations today? So I'm starting to narrow the funnel down here. What about America? Are there any biblical markers to show how God deals with nations today? Well, first, as I said in an earlier lesson on Amos, uh, God is sovereign over all nations. And he is in control and, and ruling them. And he's ruling them for his purposes. This includes all the people as well as the political states that uh, emerge from around these people. Psalm 22:28 says, Kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So if God's in control and God is sovereign and he is ruling according to his purpose, that might include judgments, most definitely. The second thing about ruling and, or judging nations today, the Bible uh, portrays God's relation to nations as tolerating sin up to a point and then bringing about judgment uh, as a result. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, and we're going to look at verse 13. Here the Lord is speaking to Abram, and he says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. So we have here God telling Abram already that Israel is going to be taken into captivity, uh, they're going to be made slaves into Egypt, and they're going to be there for 400 years. And then in uh, verse 14, he says this, But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with a great processions. God is going to judge Egypt. God has allowed the Israelites to be enslaved. That's part of his control and purpose. He's have them enslaved for a couple of reasons, but uh, then he's going to bring them out and he's going to judge Egypt for their actions, even though God is in control of um, Pharaoh's heart. <clears throat> so uh, the question might come up is, why such a long delay before God gave the promised land to Israel? Why, why 400 years? That seems like a long time. And he answers that question in verse 16. 
In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. God is allowing the Amorites to sin up to a certain point. It's kind of like the great red line that's drawn in the sand. You know, you cross that line, bam. And the Amorites is going to take 400 years for them to get up to that line and then cross it. And that's why it's taken so long. So that's why the Israelites will, will come out of there after 400 years in order to possess the land. So um, there's a level of corruption that would be reached among the nations in the promised land that would justify God's uh, judgment, justify the judgment on them when Israel returns to, from Egypt. So God's going to use the Israelites to punish these people when they go in to take over the land. So God has taught his people to, uh, to say, it's, it is not to say it's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought us in to possess this land, but rather it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before us, Deuteronomy 9.4. So it's, it's for the purpose of, of the sin of the nations that were within Canaan um, that God is, is, is waiting this long to punish them. So he speaks of the wickedness of these nations, and God is going to judge those nations that were in the promised land. But there's other reasons that God will judge nations. Uh, for instance, judgment to Israel and other nations is threatened for arrogant hearts. Isaiah 2.11 Nations are judged because of idolatry. Jeremiah 16.18 Nations are considered to be wicked because of bribery. Isaiah 1.23 they're considered to be wicked because of extortion, Ezekiel 22:12, and the oppression of the poor, again uh, Isaiah 10:2 and Malachi 3:4. These are the types of wickedness that are found in nations that God is willing to judge. So, having said all of that, the question still stands: What about God judging America? So remember what I said last two weeks. I'm not a prophet, and I don't believe that the prophet office is still in effect in the biblical sense. But I did find some insights by John Piper in regard to America being judged interesting and worth contemplating. And so um, let's see what you think. Turn to Leviticus chapter 18. There's a series of sins listed here in Leviticus 18 that sound very much like what America is going through at this time and what most of the Western nations in Europe are going through as well. 
Moses writes uh, about these iniquities uh, in uh, 1825. He says, The nations which I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Not a very pretty picture before lunch, but um, we see here that uh, God is, is going to judge this land because of their iniquity. So who is, who is Moses talking about here? What land is going to be vomiting out their people? This is the nations I'm driving out before you. Who would that be? The Canaanites, yeah. The Canaanites. So again, we see here, God has been patient, waiting. Their iniquity has continued to build up. They've crossed that red line, and God is going to pass judgment. So what brought them to the point of this judgment? Well, there's a series of sins listed here that Moses writes about. If you go up to um, verse 20, uh, Moses writes about adultery. Leviticus 18.20, you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife. That's one of the iniquities, uh, sins of the Canaanite people. Number, the second one, uh, Leviticus 18.21, deals with child sacrifice. Today we would consider it abortion. You shall not give any of your children to offer them up to Moloch, and so profane, them name, <coughs> profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. That's another sin committed by the Canaanites, the killing of their children. The next sin he talks about is in verse 22, homosexual intercourse. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Along these lines today, we see that the corrupt nature of man in our culture is raising himself up to be a god. Um, the immoral, immoral activists today have declared that only they have the right to determine what gender they are. They're replacing the true God, Yahweh, and his natural gender assignment. And they're declaring, we can determine who, what kind of a sex we are, and we can change that whenever we want to. They're playing God. So that ties in with this sin of homosexual intercourse. The next one we see is in verse 23, bestiality. And you shall not lie with any animal, and to make yourself unclean with it, it is a perversion. In the West and in America, we have moved to the point of open 
uh, approval of adultery, open approval of killing our children, open approval of homosexual intercourse. So the question will be, will there be open approval of bestiality next? And my answer is probably. If you're familiar with how the current uh, medical ailment is passed, I'm referring to monkeypox, if you know how that is spread, then you won't be surprised that this week it was discovered that a dog had contracted that disease. And if you know how it spread, then you can understand what happened. Our reaction to this is probably about the same as most people's reaction to so-called homosexual marriages 50 years ago. We, we would not even comprehend it 50 years ago, but here it is among us today. So I see that there's no good reason to doubt that in 50 years from now, the laws against bestiality will have fallen the same way laws against homosexual intercourse have fallen in recent years. And as far as marriage is concerned, Wikipedia, the online encyclopedia, already has an entry on human-animal marriages. It's already here. It's among us. So it would not be unwarranted, therefore, to suppose that God would bring to ruin the nations that follow this course of corruption the way that the Canaanites did. He judged the Canaanites for these sins. Would not um, would I make an assumption that he would judge us as well if we're following that same path. So having considered that it is likely that God would judge America and other Western countries that I follow in, <coughs> that we follow in these sinful footsteps of the Canaanites, I would say that the probability of ju being judged is, is pretty good. However, being a history teacher, I know that history doesn't follow an exact cause and effect order. Sometimes things happen that can change the course of history. And God himself may step in and bring to his church a great revival, a great drastic obedience to his word and a great awakening in the countries of the West. He's able to do it. He's done it before. And we should pray that he continues to do it again. Otherwise, I believe we're, we're set up for that judgment. And some people looked at Romans chapter 1 and believe we're already in that judgment. God has given us over to the lusts of our hearts. So... Even if the present rush to progressive public and approved wickedness continues, the gospel of Christ remains the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. No individual in Christ needs to fear God's punishment. We may be killed proclaiming biblical holiness, as Paul said in Romans 8.36, 
but all those things that we will be more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Any thoughts or comments about God's judging of America? Why he might judge us? Will he judge us? Good points. Yeah. Anybody else? Comments or thoughts? Yeah.
Hello, 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 hello.